Welcome to Cannabis Science Today. My name is Emily Feda, and I will be your guide as we converse with scientists and physicians to learn more about cannabis as a plant and how it can be used as medicine. If you've been following along with us in season two, you'll know that we have expanded our scope to understand the scientific research on a wider range of psychedelics, including psilocybin, MDMA, and ketamine. So we are preparing to wrap up season two. This is our final episode. And before we launch season three, I would love to hear from you and understand more about what topics are interesting to you, what you want to hear more about, which episodes have been your favorite, um, so we can prepare and, and, and reach you guys with a even better and more tailored information for, for what you're seeking. So a couple ways to get in touch. You can find us on Instagram at cannabis underscore science underscore today um, and feel free to send us a, a, a message on Instagram or leave a comment to join the conversation and you can also leave us a review on iTunes that is super fabulous and really helps us to connect with more listeners and I would also love to hear your favorite episode in your review and the final way to get in touch is especially if you have any um, particular topics you'd like us to cover or any guest suggestions is to send me an email at cannabisciencetoday at gmail.com. And thank you for listening and hope you enjoy this episode. Today we are featuring Dr. Aludari Adumoso, who is a biochemist and the CEO of Zalira Therapeutics. He has over 10 years of experience in pharmaceutical business development and has a PhD in biochemistry and is a World Bank Institute Certified Public Health Professional. This episode is all about using cannabis to treat insomnia. We talk about a new formula coming out from Zalira Therapeutics that is designed specifically to treat insomnia. Um, but more generally, we talk about all of the different reasons why we can't sleep and how different cannabinoids like CBD, THC, and of course CBN, which is... Um, one of the most commonly discussed cannabinoids these days. Um, and we talk about how these molecules might all work together to help us get better sleep and treat insomnia. Well, Dr. Aludari, thank you so much for joining us today. And I would love to get started by just hearing more about your scientific journey, your background, and how it led you to your current work with cannabis. Fantastic. Emily, thank you very much for having me today on the Cannabis Science uh, Podcast. Um, just very quickly, I cut my teeth in traditional uh, bench science. I have a PhD in biochemistry with a focus on uh, molecular medicine and genetics. And uh, sounds like years ago, but uh, I was really focused on um, subunit vaccine design and the complex or rather simple uh, interaction of how we really conceptualize the immune system and its interactions with antigens, both at the immunogenic signal all the way down through the hyper, the cellular, later cellular hypersensitive responses, which has implications for both uh, immuno, you know, suppressive, um, activities as well as um, hyper-inflammatory responses. So <laughs> all of that is to say that whether you're looking at a, 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 a fight response, as in the cases of cancers, or a, 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 a needed suppression response, response, as in the case of uh, diseases like diabetes and uh, multiple sclerosis, um, that platform was quite interesting. But I quickly transitioned to... Um, traditional pharmaceutical drug development uh, with a focus on pain management and the expression of our understanding of how we can reduce the dose of specific uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and not and still have good efficacy. The reason why that was important is because you look at both the renal, the gastrointestinal, and the cardiovascular. Um, um, adverse effects that are related with the use of NSAIDs for pain management. And you realize that it is uh, uh, strongly related to the amount or the dose of the product. 
So when you hear um, uh, people talk now about the lowest effective dose for the shortest duration of time, that was our focus for a period of time. And we went before the FDA and uh, uh, created a new class of submicron drugs and uh, commercialize those both in the United States and license them outside of the US to really impact the patient population who are managing pain. It was from that in 2016 that I uh, transitioned rather through what I would call a personal story that came my interest into cannabis. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit, but um, I quickly transitioned into, can uh, into the cannabinoid space and the cannabinoid drug development since 2016, and uh, we've gone on to do some interesting things that I'm sure we'll be talking about uh, during the course of this. I uh, hold um, a master's of public health as well in, in biostatistics and epidemiology, as well as a, I am a, well, I am a, pub, um, a World Bank uh, public health, uh, I guess they call them experts now, a public health practitioner. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so I try to combine all of those things and have fun, impact life, stay um, um, uh, stimulated and continue to learn as well as add value to um, the scientific space. So that is my background in a nutshell. Yeah, that sounds that sounds so fascinating. It sounds like you've had a lot of a lot of different experiences. And I know at your current company, Zalira Therapeutics, you're working with your team to create these pharmaceutical grade cannabinoid based medications for specific diagnoses. And this is new and interesting because of course, you know, in the US cannabis is widely legal and used medicinally, but we still don't have, you know, sp specific medications or, or we do, but, but there isn't, you know, a wide variety of them at this point targeting um, certain illnesses. So Today, we're going to focus on, on the new medication for targeting insomnia. So could you tell us a little bit more about this cannabinoid, cannabinoid formulation, how your team designed it, and what particular compounds in the plant, whether CBD, THC, or what kind of terpenes are, are found in, in the product? Thank you, Emily. Um, if I take a quick step back, just so that um, the, our listeners understand why we take such an approach at Zalira Therapeutics um, to cannabinoid-based drug development. Um, the cannabis space was really born um, across the United States, for example, by the push uh, from our medical community to address unmet therapeutic needs. Having said that, um, the truth about it is that um, the history of the cannabis plant, especially our interaction with it in the United States, created a federal-state dichotomy. Otherwise, um, uh, it, it is well known that uh, the, the cannabis plant has, of the natural compounds in the flora and fauna that nature has endowed us with, the cannabis plant holds the longest documented history of safety and efficacy. So against that backdrop, you know, we find ourselves in the United States, for example, in a place where um, we are um, having to legalize the use of this plant state by state, make a distinction between medical and adult use. Uh, by the way, in countries like Australia and in Germany, uh, cannabis and, uh, is legal um, at the federal level. So it is against this backdrop that you think about it and think about the fact that um, people see this, this medicine in different forms. Um, the plant, uh, some processed version of the plant, and some, um, uh, and another one uh, we would say are, um, or the third bucket would be uh, formulations based on the cannabinoids and terpenes that are present in that. So with that background in mind, uh, we've always taken the approach that the true medical cannabis or cannabinoid-based medicines will not scale unless the world starts to see products that look like finished pharmaceutical products that they're used to, right? So when you think about that um, and... You, you layer that with the prohibition for research um, that exists in the United States, but is now starting to open up. 
you will see why there is a, a need for companies like Zalira Therapeutics um, to step into that space and work with smart people who have that understanding and can uh, formulate medicines, can scale them up, can um, engage them in rigorous clinical validation, and can commercialize as well as educate both the patient and the, the healthcare community. So Zalira, one of our focuses among many others is the, the unmet need of insomnia. Um, for those that know my personal story, this is a little bit uh, personal to me, uh, but that's a conversation for another time. But at Zalira, we are a, an Australian-born, publicly traded cannabinoid uh, medical company. Uh, we're, we are a quintessential biopharmaceutical company that is focused on creating medicines that address very specific therapeutic unmet needs. One of such is insomnia. And because cannabis is legal at the federal level in Australia, under the hospices of the, uh, of the TGA, which is the regulatory body, um, um, uh, very, uh, first world regulatory body like the FDA we have in the United States, we can conduct a full-blown um, um, clinical trial, a traditional, um, randomized, placebo-controlled, double-blinded um, clinical trial for cannabinoid-based medicines. And that is what we did. Specifically, you refer to uh, ZLT-101, which is now commercialized as Xenovol. Um, in Australia. We, we formulated that product or that product was formulated at Zalira Therapeutics and we conducted a traditional randomized, double-blinded, placebo-controlled crossover uh, phase 1B slash 2A trial. And the results, um, of course, uh, uh, have been recently, were announced last year but now, as of last week, published in the world's, arguably the world's foremost uh, peer-reviewed peer journal that addresses sleep disorder, which is the Journal of Sleep. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone to please um, 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 uh, read that article. Basically, and I, I definitely want to get into the specifics of that clinical trial but yes. before, yeah, before we go too far down that road, could you tell us about the formula? Yes, um, uh, ZLT-101, now Xenobol, is uh, based on the combination of uh, uh, THC, CBD, and CBN. Um, these are cannabinoids that are abundant and naturally occurring in the cannabis plant, for which we have, um, have created a, a, a formulation in combination in a, in a, in a non-naturally occurring ratio uh, of, uh, of 20 to one to one, 20, uh, 20 parts THC, one part CBD and one part CBN. Um, it is formulated in sunflower oil and it is, um, under CGMP, um, has been manufactured and validated clinically, um, through our Australia arm of our business approved by the TGA and commercialized for physicians to prescribe uh, to patients who are suffering from chronic insomnia. So when you say non-naturally occurring amounts, do you mean that you have just taken the plant and then processed it in a way where each serving size is highly concentrated, giving a patient you know, a higher amount of CBD and CBN that would be possible? when, um, you know, if they were to just, let's say, smoke the, the, the flower, or do you mean that you're combining different um, plants, doing different breeding projects behind the scenes? What do you mean by non-naturally occurring? Um, non-naturally occurring in this particular sense is basically uh, looking at the fact that nature in the natural plant endows us with different ratios based that are variant by batch sizes, right? So um, you grow, say, the goji oji plant or the copper cam um, 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 selected um, um, cultivar. 
And I just use those two as examples. They, they could be varied. Um, from batch to batch, you have variation. But what makes a drug, um, a pharmaceutical drug, is that from tablet A to tablet B or tincture dose A to, to tincture dose B, it has been clinically validated from batch to batch to be consistent by specification. That is a very difficult thing to do because nature does its own thing. Right. But through the intervention of science, we can, um, for lack of a better word or for use of understanding, I would say, uh, we can standardize that in a, in a, in a, in a G, GMP uh, format such that our medicines are exactly the same. This is a big hurdle as, uh, when you think about why a lot of uh, cannabis or cannabinoid-based plant formulations are um, struggling to get through the regulatory path. But we've been able to do that. And that's what I call the non-naturally occurring ratios. So um, it, is a, it is in a way a homage to nature and nature's uh, variation, but certainly um, a, um, a, um, um, a salute to science and our capacity to create consistent medicine from uh, what nature gives us. Mm-hmm. And and if I understand, so this is a tincture, and it's patients consume it sublingually, so it gets directly into the bloodstream. That is correct. Um, Zenival, um, the the format of, of that Zenival is presented in is in a tincture form, um, and you use a dropper to apply it sublingually uh, for um, for yes for the patient. Mm-hmm. And what was the research when you were determining the exact compounds to put into this medication? What research were you drawing on or building upon when you were deciding to put, um, you know, I think you said 20 parts THC versus how much CBD or CBN was it? um, Was that research that you had done prior in-house? Was that scientific research that already existed or are, are you still... Um, you know, is it still kind of unknown that exactly what parts will be most effective in treating insomnia? Um, that's a very, very uh, good question. Um, you see, nature has endowed us in the cannabis plant with um, well over a hundred already characterized cannabinoids. Some are major, some are minor. Um, there's a lot of great scientific work in characterizing those cannabinoids and the, 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 um, and how they interact with the body's, uh, 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 mechanisms and how they affect, uh, both function and anatomy, physiology, function, and response. Um, this cannabinoids and, and, and the way we formulate our drugs are based on this hard science the understanding of existing research, but also the expansion of knowledge into uh, new territories. And hence, you would find that um, um, there are groups like Zalera and others that are working on proprietary understandings and proprietary formulations to bring about new medicines. The combination of the cannabinoids gives us an endless, or uh, another way to put it is an infinite um, um, access to creating new drugs. So from in, in, in the parlance of pharmaceuticals, you think about just the fact that I said over a hundred cannabinoids, that is potentially in a singular form alone, over a hundred different drugs that uh, uh, could be possibly made. But then when you start to now layer them, Oh my goodness, you can see why I say it's infinite. So it is drawing on existing knowledge. It is drawing on our capacity to to perform studies as well, both what you call real life data analytics and real life evidence, what some people call anecdote, we call observational empirical data collection, bearing in mind that (laughs) it is really in our lifetime it is within the last hundred or some of the years that we moved away from natural compound formulation for medicine, right? In science, 
where we transition to what we call singular molecular entity targets and computation chemistry, target analytics and screening for, for, for uh, physiologic targets. So we have in our current toolbox in the scientific um, space, uh, an infinite uh, toolbox really, both from, um, 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 uh, from history and emerging um, skill sets that allow us to explore the combination of these cannabinoids against different physiologic targets that have um, uh, an effect on different indications. One of such is sleep responses and the treatment of insomnia. Mm-hmm. And if I could interject here, I think you bring up a really interesting point about the, you know, the singular molecule model in terms of treating disease. And of course, that, that's been the pharmaceutical industry's model for, for so long. And in cannabis, we're seeing that that doesn't work. It's not effective. It really is this entourage effect. But I am wondering, because I have read um, some studies or articles saying that, okay, CBN, you know, and CBN is one of the hottest cannabinoids right now that I think people are really learning about and researching. And it's becoming the molecule that makes you sleepy. Do you think that that's true? Um, do you, and do you think that these different molecules, because there's so many factors um, when we're talking about, you know, having a restful night's sleep, and we'll get into that. But of course, there's the time to falling asleep, there's staying asleep, there's feel having restful sleep, you know, getting into that REM cycle. Do you think that all of these molecules kind of all work together at all of those different variables and all of those different factors? Or do you think they each play a different role? Like maybe CBN is the molecule that does make you sleepy. CBD is a mol. I, I don't know. I, I'm wondering if you could, um, yeah, just kind of unwind this this entourage theory a little bit for us when it comes to specifically discussing insomnia. I'm happy to do that in in in, um, in, in a few minutes. So I mean, you know, physiologically, or or the body is a is a combination of multiple multiple systems that are modulated and regulated in response to each other. So if you take the response of sleep, for example, it is not a singular activity that happens in a singular organ or organ system or physiologic system, right? It is a combination of multiple systems that are initiated by initiated in different parts of the body. And one of, the, one of those organs is the, the brain right, the, the, the neurological center of our body. And um, there's a, if it, it then flows down or flows up or flows out, depending on how you choose to see it, um, um, through other signaling um, requests and responses to actually lead to what we know as the ph- uh, phenomenon of sleep. So when you look at it in that context, different molecules are... Um, are are speaking to different receptor sites and causing the upregulation or downregulation of other signaling molecules, other response systems, and then you have sleep. When that, that, or when the natural occurring um, step or the natural um, order is altered, you have an aberration, right? And then, you know, in, 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 in medicine, we call that a disease state or, or a disease manifestation. The alteration of that itself in sleep, uh, one, of the, one of the manifestations of that is insomnia. The cannabinoids that we've chosen to um, include in this particular medicine, for example, again, different combinations, uh, you would find that different formulations could lead us to the same therapeutic effect. But in this particular formulation, we have selected this um, cannabinoids and made them proprietary because we have an understanding of how they work together to induce, to one, help you get sleep because insomnia is not just one thing, right? Insomnia is, I call it a sequence of sleep-related disorders. So we have picked this cannabinoids because they can impact both the physiologic and the anatomical response that allows a person to deal with 
either by way of rectifying a, um, the uh, inso- uh, sleep sequence disorder we call insomnia, or to reactivate it for those in some cases that have an issue with that. So um, did that um, provide some more light as to how we think through this? Sure. I would love if you could touch a little bit more on the particular molecule, specifically CBN. Um, yes, that CBN. Is very, that CBN. is very in the press yes, right now. Yes, is, oh, yes. this is a mall. And I'm sure there's other companies that will be coming out with different product formulations, yeah. highlighting well, CBN. So yeah, so if you could talk a little bit in, in more detail. Obviously, I know it's a proprietary formula, but yeah, yeah give it, to yes, just give our listeners more of, more of an understanding of what is happening inside the body, you know, when these molecules <laughs> address, you know, hit our endocannabinoid system. Very well, very well. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do that. Um, you know, CBN, you know, some people easily would say uh, CBN is the breakdown of THC, right? That's the way some people look at it. Um, depending on where you start or where you end your thought about this cannabinoid, I'm going to get into it just very quickly and give us a, a very, very quick um, understanding of it. So, um, of all the cannabinoids that are out there, CBN is just one of them. Um, in the cascade of the breakdown of, of THC, which is one of the popular cannabinoids, when THC is metabolized, one of the metabolites you would get is CBN. It has become very popular because of um, 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 the the fact that it helps to induce or help people go to go to sleep. It is part of that sleep response factor when somebody uses cannabinoid. It is by itself not an intoxicating compound, as as some people like to to see it, but it is um, it is it is. It does really, it has been explored in research to help um, people go to sleep. It has other, other, other um, 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 benefits as well in the body. This same cannabinoid, um, CBN, is an antibacterial. It has neuroprotective um, uh, um, um, uh, benefits, as we've seen in, in, in animal studies. It is also an appetite stimulant, in, in some people would say. Um, and most of, while most of these studies are in animal models, it has given us an understanding as to how this cannabinoid works. On the biggest scale in humans, it is hot because it does a bunch of these things, but also helps people go to sleep. So you find people is, um, isolating CBN by itself, and you see that molecule um, um, uh, being used. One of the ways that it does that is because it, it, it can function on the metabolic um, slip centers of the brain, both at the brain stem and also a little bit at the hippocampus level to help induce um, rest or sleep. So without going into too much uh, science, is that helpful? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And another reason why I really want to flash that out is because there's so many different factors when we talk about insomnia and there's so many different reasons why people can't sleep. So of course, you know, there's a lot of people suffer from stress and anxiety, uh, which keeps them up at night, obviously chronic pain or different neurological disorders or um, hormonal imbalances. You know, these are all different factors, but they all manifest in insomnia. So I'm wondering right. if there is, um, when, you, when you and your team were, were designing this formula, was there a specific underlying condition um, that you were aiming to treat with this formulation? Or is it just to treat the generalized um, you know, symptoms of these different... Yeah. That's a really good question. I, I wanted to just um, take one step back and make one last point about CBN. You know, there's a little bit of a controversy in the scientific space about uh, whether CBN by itself is sedating or not. The science um, right now uh, suggests that it by itself may not necessarily may not necessarily be a, a sedating agent, but 
in the presence of, uh, of a major cannabinoid, THC, um, leads, gives that sedative effect. Uh, you know, as with all science, we, uh, we are, it, it's, it's, it's emerging, we're learning. But at least the reason I wanted to point that out is it, it goes back to what you were saying about the synergistic effect we, we describe as that entourage effect, right? So you, you, you can see now why even in our formulation, we think about it similarly, that perhaps maybe one compound by itself is not uh, fun functionally um, uh, therapeutic, but in combination with others, you get that desired effect. To your question specifically as to um, um, the formulation of Xenoval for, for insomnia, it is actually in our clinical trial, we actually studied our formulations as a treatment for chronic insomnia or what you call refractive insomnia. It is not just general sleeplessness. Um, insomnia actually had, uh, uh, like I said, is a sequence of, of, of different um, sleep disorder sequences of which the capacity to go to sleep, stay asleep, maintain rest is, uh, are, are some of them. So the primary endpoint for our clinical trial was met in the study of, of ZLT-101 used as an insomnia treatment, as well as many other secondary endpoints. I encourage uh, 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 our listeners to um, read the article. We made it open access intentionally. I found you know we had to pay to make it open access so that every and anybody can download a copy of it uh, from sleep, from the Journal of Sleep, and be able to read it. So um, yes, it was not just general, it was very specific to treating. It is a prescription, uh, physicians can prescribe it. And I also would like to say that when we looked at the data that um, um, the results of our clinical trial, and we put it side by side against the leading uh, traditional uh, pharmaceutical frontline options that are approved for treating chronic insomnia, not only did we meet the um, efficacy threshold by way of the, um, what you call the, um, the, the traditional endpoints for measuring sleep, but we also beat them, all of them, on side effects. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, it is a real testament to the power of the cannabis plant to not only be efficacious in treating are specific and in some cases general and universal symptoms, but also the side effect profile is much more tolerable and better in a lot of cases. Okay, so so just to summarize before we get into the clinical study, you wouldn't necessarily say that the formula was specifically designed to treat any particular underlying cause of insomnia, but rather the symptoms. It would be um, it was formulated to treat the manifestation of clinical insomnia. Okay. So the cause of insomnia is, is a very, very broad. Of course. Uh, some people have insomnia based on anxiety. Some have it because of metabolic disorders. And, um, you know, physicians are probably best um, uh, suited to, to address the causes of insomnia. But when a patient has been clinically diagnosed with insomnia or chronic insomnia in this specific case or retractable or retractable, what you call retractable insomnia in this case, then this becomes, we hope, um, eventually a frontline option for treating just as you would write a, a, a prescription for any of the other uh, medicines. Our clinical trial data has shown that it meets, which is the yardstick, right? For getting a drug approved is, is it efficacious? Is it safe? And the mechanism by which we do that is through um, clinical trials. Mm -hmm. So having met well, that- let's, Yeah, let's dive into the clinical trial. Um, yeah, very we can well. talk about that in detail. 
So we've, been, well. we've been dancing around it. So, um, so as I understand, this was a clinical trial performed in Australia, and yes. twenty-three patients were treated for fourteen nights with the formula, fourteen yes. nights with a placebo, and that was separated by a one-week washout period. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So tell me more about the specifics of this study, what you think is important um, for listeners to know, as well as what, what you learned. What did you find out from, from treating these patients with the formula and observing uh, very, very you know, well. the different variables related to insomnia? So this was a study really designed to evaluate the safety and the efficacy of this, um, um, of what we called ZLT-101 at the time, which is a sublingual cannabinoid-based medicine. Uh, compared with placebo. Again, in the scientific community, right, the way we get a drug approved or we test a drug is against the placebo, right? Um, it's not, uh, you know, some people always say, oh, against, why not test it against what is already out there? Well, that is a different kind of study. And we can talk about that at another time, which those are called comparative head-to-head studies. But in a traditional clinical trial, you test your, if you say you got a drug that works for something, the very first thing that is important is, is it safe? So you typically test that in a phase one, um, 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 phase one-ish, phase two type study with, um, with a smaller size population. We have the capacity to be a little creative with the phasing. That's why we call it a phase one B and slash a phase two A where we can look at multiple endpoints of which safety is one of them. In this study, we decided to go with the full uh, randomized placebo. So that's one arm, people who get um, a uh, 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 non-active form of medicine called a placebo, and then the active arm. And then you compare the results using validated um, tools to determine and statistical analysis to determine if they have met, if the effect and responses have met the end points that were set a priori um, um, to the study and approved, of course, by protocol. So that is what we did in, in this case. And um, I guess, you know, without going too far, you've given sort of the summary of, of, of what it was. This is what we found. We found that one, um, the, our dosing made sense. We also found that, um, compared to placebo, which is the, the non-group, there was a statistically significant difference in effect. That means that, um, the, the, there was an impact of our drug in the, on, 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 on the insomnia symptoms on uh, what you also call, there's something called ISI, which is the measure of insomnia severity. I always like to say that that is a very interesting one because ISI is one of the ways we measure the severity of people's insomnia. And a lot of drugs that treat insomnia kind of stay away from that. We went for that head on. And there was an impact on, on even the insomnia severity. And we found out that our, um, our study participants, after a two weeks of nightly sublingual administration of, the, of, of ZLT, significantly improved their insomnia symptoms, significantly improved their sleep quality, and it, has a, it had also had an impact on a significant improvement on their daytime fatigue and their capacity to also engage in everyday tasks, right? Which, you know, we like to, you know, and there were several measures of this, which we don't have enough time to go into every single uh, measure, but using the validated industry approved protocols, we're able to measure all of this variables and we saw an impact. And all of this was also associated with what we call the acceptable short-term safety uh, safety profile. So when we looked at the safety profile of our medicine against the um, against the adverse effect uh, um, uh, windows, we saw that this drug was really really had a better had, had a good and acceptable safety profile. So that was very exciting because yes. could you speak more? Could you speak more yes. to the variable of insomnia severity? 
Yes. And why so, why other sleep drugs try to avoid that as a testing variable? Well, yeah, you know, I, I like to, I was going to say uh, two things. One is that this is, you know, we were very excited that this is the world's first cannabinoid-based treatment for insomnia. And that is just really associated with prohibition, right? Because let's be frank, if, if there was no prohibition around the, uh, the, uh, the cannabis plant, over time, people would have already done a lot of this, right? So um, as, as the world is moving towards the proper access, and I, I encourage that we really push in every way we can to continue to encourage um, uh, medical uh, uh, research using cannabinoids so we can understand the, the infinite value that this gives. Now, traditionally, we measure insomnia or through um, what you call, um, act, I don't want to get into it, but actigraphic measures of sleep. And there are different tools for that or a diary measure of sleep. Um, and those are typically, there are tools called WSO, TST, SE, SOL. I can go on and all these very fancy acronyms. But the ISI, the insomnia severity measure, is typically down the list. If you go and look at, I don't want to name very um, 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 other uh, 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 drugs that have been uh, uh, on the market, but if you go back and look at the clinical trials for some of the drugs that are already approved for insomnia on the marketplace, and you look at their primary endpoints and their secondary endpoints, you'll find that the ISI measure ranks really, really low in some of those drugs, right? We made it a major endpoint early. And, we still, and, and, and the reason why a lot of people, in my opinion, have kind of stayed away from the ISI is because it is, like I said, it measures the severity of your insomnia. And it's so, self-reported as well, correct? So it's really about how a patient feels about well, the, their the experience. S, the SOL, the, the, the diary measure of sleep and how they, um, they, um, how they perceive the, the severity of their sleep is measured in their diary. The ISI is a much more stringent um, uh, validated measure of sleep um, um, than, the other, than the other measure. So it's not just alone self-reported, it's self-reported against several indications of, of, of sleep. I encourage you to go into, if you really want to get more into the ISI uh, uh, measure, but it is one that people have really stayed away from, but we embraced it because we, like we said, we want to not only address the general symptoms, but once a patient has been clinically diagnosed, is our drug effective against even some of the more severe diagnoses of insomnia? Right. So that was very interesting. We didn't know how it was going to come out, but we were, I'm telling you, we were super excited when we saw that there was a statistical um, um, significance in the effect of our drug on, the, on patients and the, a, a difference uh, comparing placebo to the comparison group, there was a statistical significant difference in ISI score based mm -hmm. on the use of um, ZLT 101. That was mm -hmm. very, yeah. very exciting. Yeah, of course, of course. And it is good to have that additional, um, yeah, that additional test to know that this could treat people with the most severe cases of, of insomnia. Yeah, the, yeah, the more severe the more severe uh, on this. So again, as with every clinical research, Emily, you know, this is just, this is a phase one, phase right. two, right? I mean, we, you know, the, the next thing I, you know, people, I was preempt this is, it gets excited, right? After of this course. now, you know, we go into a phase three, a registration path. Those are all things I say, watch this space and see, you know, it will be very inter interesting to see where we go from here. Mm -hmm. And then in the study as well, that it was reported that there were 40 mild non-serious adverse events reported um, with all but one resolving overnight or soon after waking. So could you describe what these adverse events were and how they were resolved? Well, generally, so the definition of, of, of ad, so every clinical trial measures what you call adverse events. And there's always a long list, drowsiness, all, a bunch of stuff. Um, depending on the, on, the, on the trial. What is very interesting is that, you know, it is um, uh, one more point on that. It is the adverse event profile 
that we used to determine when we say, oh, a drug is safe, it has met its safety endpoint or it has not met its safety endpoint. So every drug has adverse event profiles. When you look at the adverse event profile that was associated with, um, with our drug and the endpoint, you just said it. We were very excited because the, 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 what, one of the ones that is listed on the adverse event profile is, say, dry mouth and drought. And uh, uh, yeah, dry mouth was one of the ones, which was resolved. Of course, very, and that's a very common side effect of cannabis. Exactly, which was re- resolved very quickly upon uh, upon upon waking up. So okay, just drinking some water. Yeah, so just to give, <laughs> just to give you some context. So okay, um, was- I am curious about nightmares because that has been for me. I've tried a lot of different sleep aids, melatonin, Ambien, and I, I've always experienced nightmares on, on most of those. So was that a side effect of this product at all? And um, you know, and it also can happen from from THC or or very vivid vivid dreams. Um, yeah. So so what do you what did you learn? So about that, that was not one that we we. I mean, we, you would see. So you if you when you look at the report, our safety profile, you would see a few things. One is that no serious adverse events were reported at any time in the trial, and even what they call the non serious adverse events, like the one I dis- described as dry mouth. Uh, one patient uh, experienced that, which was resolved uh, very, very quickly. Um, um, and then you can go down the list of um, of the what you call the non-serious adverse events, of which some people would, I guess, if you're talking about um, um, nightmares, clinic uh, from a study perspective, if we said hallucination was one of them, I mean, we we saw very, very very, very, it's uh, what you call non-remarkable expressions of that. I have did. Sorry, people did report because, of course, this product has THC in it, um, which is psychoactive. So did people report feelings of essentially being high or, um, you know, visual hallucinations? Um, From this study, and I'm going just based on that, you know, again, it's a study, right? So uh, it, you have to always go against what what was reported. Um, there was there was no capture of that or no d- direct report of that. We do know that because it contains THC, THC um, uh, causes people to have uh, 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 what you call dizziness or or what you call the psychoactive effect of. I don't want to use street lingo because we're talking about a very specific um, um, uh, study here, right? So you go back and look at the report and you say that the most frequent reported adverse events were was dry mouth in this study. I mean, that is remarkable that mm-hmm. the most free, uh, reported adverse event was dry mouth, which was just 22% in all events. Um, dizziness, I believe um, uh, a little bit of uh, what you call feeling abnormal. I guess maybe that's what you would call that um, in, in, in somewhere just about 10% of the participants. Um, you know, nausea, and it just goes on, it gets smaller from that. So yeah, this is, it was quite remarkable, but mm-hmm. uh, the, the direct definition of, oh, I felt high, um, we, that is not captured in this, in this study. Okay, but it could be a potential effect of the product. As with all, it just wasn't measured by the study. As with all THC products. Mm-hmm. And do you have intentions or plans to create a product with lower levels of THC? Um, because of course, that is something not everyone wants to experience those psychoactive effects. Uh, do you think well, that that's all drugs, possible? Down all the drugs. All drugs are psychoactive. I always, I'm always very careful to correct that misnormal or that misinformation. All drugs are psychoactive. Every drug is psychoactive, including food as a drug is psychoactive. However, when people talk about THC, I, as a scientist, I tend to describe, I, I tend to be very specific 
um, and try to um, stick within the, the lines of science. Um, THC has a very, very unique effect on different people. And I always encourage people to speak to your physician, speak to your healthcare providers, so that you are not outside of, um, of, of what you call functional use of any drug. So for example, if you are on, uh, on a, uh, um, that's the reason why we have drug-related warnings and labels, right? It says do not operate when, whether you're using an opioid or a pain medicine, they tell you do not operate machinery. I say the same thing for any drug, even those that include THC or CBD. I'd say be very careful, use as recommended. And should you experience any side effect, whether it's mild, non-mild, non-adverse or adverse, please uh, um, note it and speak to your um, healthcare um, uh, clinician. Of course, of course. And I know it's still pretty early on in this um, clinical testing, but have you looked or have you studied um, any potential dependency that patients could experience using this product or also the possibility to develop a tolerance to it and then you know, need to use more in order to have the same effect? Um, this particular study uh, was not focused on dependency. Okay. Uh, this particular study was not focused on, it was focused mostly on the efficacy, safety, and that safety is associated with tolerance uh, by the definition of, of tolerance in a clinical uh, um, 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 setting. Um, and yes, so this drug is tolerable. This drug is, is uh, showed, met its primary endpoint of safety, but also uh, it's uh, the, the endpoint of efficacy on clinical insomnia. Mm-hmm. But the recommendation currently uh, with the product in Australia would be to use it every night, kind of same serving, or is it to uh, be used as needed? Well, that is a, that is an answer for a physician. Um, okay. <laughs> that is, that is going into, that is going into, because this is a drug um, the recommendation for use is based on physician prescription. Remember that this drug having gone through this and being approved by the TGA um, in Australia, which is a first world regulatory body, um, has to have the intervention of a physician. So you can't just go into a pharmacy and buy Xenoval, which is ZLT 101. It has to be prescribed by your physician as your medicine for treating chronic insomnia. So I am not a clinician, so I'm not in any (laughs) position to make that recommendation. Right. So the product has been launched in Australia, and I'm presuming you have plans to launch it in the U.S. at some point as well. So given that the distribution in the U.S. of cannabis products is done through, through this dispensary model, um, how do you envision this unraveling of, of Zalira and these products in the U.S.? Okay. I love that question. I love answering that question. So in the U.S., because of the federal-state dichotomy, 30-some-odd um, states have a combination of whether it's a medical or an adult-use program. What we've done in the U.S., is that we have taken advantage of this model um, where in an approved state under the regulatory uh, accommodations of that state, we can license our formulations, our what we call our drugs that target this indications that we've, excuse me, validated in some way clinically In the case of Zenival, it has been validated um, XUS through the traditional path. In the case of our Hope range of products, which target a different indication of um, autism, we have um, approached it through what we call our launch, learn, and develop model, where we're able to launch these products because the state says we can in the states where we can um, uh, launch and and license these products. We 
through real life evidence data, we learn about um, the efficacy of this drug. And we use that knowledge to either improve our development or to make additional drugs. So within that context, we have uh, we partner with approved uh, manufacturers in the state. We license the formulation to them. They have the license and the approvals to um, manufacture the product and to commercialize it in that state. We've done that in Pennsylvania, in the United States. We've done that in Louisiana. We've done that in Washington, D.C. And we will continue to do that in other additional states um, um, as we go on. But so the product is available for sale in Pennsylvania? Uh, not Zenibol is not yet licensed in the United States, but I would okay. say, what, what's this space? It gets very interesting. But mm-hmm. our other formulation- What do you think is the time frame? Um, so if someone is listening to this, so many of our listeners are in the US, what do you think is the time frame for them to be able to, to find this product? My, my public relations person will come after me uh, the best way to answer this is uh, because we're in multi, we're in conversations uh, that are quite interesting, and uh, that makes it um, good. And also, I'm publicly I am a publicly I'm the CEO of a publicly tra- traded company, so I have to be careful what I say, right? So, um, but um, out, out my answer would remain: uh, What's this space? We're actively working on that to bring this medicine to um, the United States. Okay, and then to wrap things up here, I'm wondering um, what is what is the future? What are you most excited about um, when it comes to cannabis pharmaceutical uh, drug development? And what do you think is is there more to do in terms of formula uh, product formulation to treat insomnia, or will you be moving on to kind of finding the next targeted diagnoses? Um, thank you for that question, and I'm going to answer it with about three or four points. One is that I'm going to remind our listeners of the one of the first things I said as we started this conversation is that the cannabis market will not, in our opinion, and as part of our model, will not scale up unless products that look like finished pharmaceuticals are available. So that's point number one. We are getting ready for that. Um, we take a targeted approach to addressing therapeutic needs that are indication specific. We've gone after um, 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 and communicated some indications such as insomnia, um, autism, chronic pain. You may have seen that we recently announced in partnership with Levine Health to do um, um, clinical trials for chronic pain in the retired athletes population in part, uh, um, in Australia. But that was based on results that came from our opioid um, sparing, what we call a dose escalation trial for which we saw uh, positive results. So those are three indications that I have, um, um, I've already listed to you. So, and then the third and final thing I would say is that the, benefits of cannabinoids or cannabinoid-based medicines are truly and honestly infinite. And we have only started to unlock this, what I call now, a very, very old, but new pharmacology. And the world is yet to see from a quintessential biopharmaceutical perspective, what this plant has in store for multiple indications. Um, For example, in Pennsylvania alone, the state has approved cannabis as effective for 23 different conditions. 23 different conditions. Let me break that down for you. Basically, that means the state has said, we believe that this medicine is effective for use for this safe and effective for use for 23 conditions. Holy cow. If that was all we focused on alone, I think this world would be a better place. And it is my goal to see cannabinoid-based medicines not as alternate treatments, but as frontline, truly clinically validated medicines for treating 
as many indications as we can validate them for use. Well, thank you so much for yeah, sharing all about this new product and all of the research that you've been working on at, at Zalira. Appreciate your time. Emily, it is a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to share a little bit of what we're doing at Zalira Therapeutics. And I hope that our listeners um, have um, uh, you know, learned a thing or two. As always, uh, people say, how do you, you know, how do you find us? Uh, Zalira's website is zaliratx.com. And um, I'm also easy to find on the internet um, using my email or my phone number. And I'm always happy to have these conversations. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It will help other people find us. Cannabis Science Today is so generously supported by the Agricultural Genomics Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to educating the public on scientific research findings on cannabis. If you're interested in donating to this cause or sponsoring an episode of this podcast where we research a scientific research question or theme of your choice, please contact us through agriculturalgenomics.org.